this is Josh Hasty from Candy Corn, and you're listening to Scared Stupid on Outlander Media Network. <laughs> Scared Stupid. Welcome back here at Scared Stupid. This is your host, Chris Bell. Joining me now is director, filmmaker, Josh Hasty. Josh, how you doing, buddy? Doing great, man. How are you? I am so good. So excited to be talking to you, man. Uh, Josh here, for those of you who do not know, uh, has been a director since, what, around 2009? Josh, is that right? Uh, something like I feel like I've been doing it my whole Right, yeah, some, somewhere around there, I got started. Yeah, and you had a lot of like uh, a smaller budget horror films that you did. They're starting. Oh yeah, out. Oh, I've, yeah. I've done what I what I call uh, failing a million times to get to this point. So <laughs> lots of those. Oh yeah. So and then also, I I heard that you have directed and designed three award winning haunted attractions. That's right. They were all at uh, on this amazing big farm in Ohio, and uh, started as just one, and over the course of about four years, quickly turned into to uh, your big traditional maze haunted attraction that was inside of this big barn that we gutted, and then there was a corn maze uh, with actors and stuff in it, and then we actually had uh, this old farmhouse. That was from was one of, actually one of the first houses in the county in Ohio, and it was famously haunted. And so we kind of went through and um, turned it into a ghost tour attraction. And oh, cool! Yeah, it was it was awesome. Was, Holy I, cow! So you yeah, went out and found great. a real haunted house and then turned it into a haunted attraction. <laughs> I, I yeah, well, I lived in it too. It was uh, holy cow! Actually, I wasn't able to live in the house because it was not deemed livable I see. um but i live i actually turned the loft of the barn into a uh, makeshift apartment lived there for a little over a year while i designed and worked on everything holy cow talk about dedication man good lord <laughs> yeah i've got a little bit of that yeah i can tell <laughs> you've been a very busy man uh i mean for most of your career working with great names like uh our friend james clace out there with the local boogeyman yep you guys have partnered up to form local boogeyman productions right um well i mean he formed it i'm not a part of his production company but he formed it just to fund the remaining production of candy corn so we've been friends for a long time i actually met him um i hired him to do a commission uh, shirt that I had made as a gift for Rob Zombie and this was before he and Rob had their now clothing line um, and that's how we met and we just got along like instantly and he's a great dude and uh, oh yeah you know every time I go to LA you know from when I first started going there a lot I would stay with him and just got got to know each other really well and then he saw what I was going through trying to get candy corn made and uh, yeah he founded you know, his clothing line, Local Boogeyman, is just, I mean, it's one of the biggest and best clothing lines in Absolutely. the industry. And uh, and so he, he's always wanted to get into movies, and he's expressed that, and he knew I was, you know, what I was doing and what I've done. And so, yeah, like, 
I called him up on like a Thursday and by Monday he had the, the you know, the company started and the paperwork Holy together. Crap. Money in the bank. So, yeah, another dude that just gets stuff done. It's, yeah. It's great. That's how you have to do it, though. And James, does, I mean, he's oh, yeah. got the best clothing line in the horror game. You're absolutely right. I have most of my closet is filled with local boogeyman shirts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm with you there. Yeah, and he's a super nice guy, too. I, I've gotten to meet him a couple of times when I've made it out to L.A., and definitely yeah. a shop to check out, listeners. Next time you make it out to L.A., go to the local boogeyman on Sunset Boulevard. Great shop. Yeah, it's a cool spot. <laughs> so, Josh, you, you seem like a really calm, collective person. <laughs> did, I hear that a lot, yeah. Did, did, did you get tired of like the stupid joke of people telling you not to get too hasty and now um yeah i don't i some people say that uh mostly like it just like there's like this you know don't get too excited i hear that all the time right like somebody will you know especially like with with what i do um like for instance with our label or you know all these merch companies i work with they'll like call me and tell me you know we got this or we're doing this or you know, the other day, Epic called me to tell me that, you know, they partnered with Nagra, this company that's putting candy corn in like 1,100 theaters across the country. And I'm Whoa. like, that's awesome. Yeah. And like, they're like, I think they were like offended. They're like, <laughs> the lady in charge of it's like, well, don't get too excited, Josh. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what you guys want me to do. Like, yeah. I, I love it. I appreciate it. And I, I, I do like, you know, you'll see if you ask, you know, the right questions i'll get i'll get more excited than you want and my excitement comes out in the form of me talking for an hour and a half and not stopping (laughs) but uh but yeah no i mean it's it's uh i i just you just have to be laid back because i've gotten so excited and then been let down so many times throughout getting to where i am and it's like i appreciate everything it's like it's like why I, i don't care like when people like say negative things about what i'm doing or like you know people will say like hey i saw the you know candy corn trailer um i know you're really excited it had you know broke like 150,000 views in like 48 hours or something like that on youtube yeah but like people love to tell me like that's cool but like did you see all the people that think it sucks (laughs) like i don't I don't care. Like, there, right. there, there are people that literally like look. Go to YouTube and look up Abbey Road by the Beatles. There are people right. that hate. There's like seventy five thousand people that give a thumbs down to Abbey Road. <laughs> These are the people we're living on the planet with. Like, I don't care. <laughs> These don't are the people like we're living on the planet with. <laughs> yeah, you know? I'm serious. Like. I, I don't know I don't know these people I don't know their taste look there's a million movies and artists and bands that I don't like but like I've never had the inclination to like vocalize like right. Man, I hate this like right. I don't care I'm I, I like to think I'm smart enough to know that they don't care they didn't make it for me right you know so it's like when it comes to that or on the other end of the spectrum of like really great news I just take it all and I'm just like, cool, you know, this is, this is great, but like, this isn't an accident, you know, I've right. like worked so freaking hard to get to this point and to do all of this. And I appreciate it. I don't take it for granted, but oh, yeah. at the same time, I don't get like, you know, I'm always like 10 steps ahead of everything. So like, by the time they're telling me this, I'm like, that's great. I'm over here 
writing another script, and, <laughs> you know, trying to get financing for that. And like, you know, so it's like, I appreciate it. And, um, uh, yeah, I just, that's just me, man. I mean, just, that's uh, the way you have to be. I, I took one of my life tenants from Al Bundy in married with children <laughs> where he said you can never admit life is going good because as soon as you do that's when it's going to shit on you <laughs> exactly exactly it's like yeah yeah no I, I i agree with that i i love that and that seems to be the way that it goes it's like if i were to say like man every i, just, I don't know i just i get uncomfortable around people who are too excited like if someone's like you know and i'm around a lot of these people but like you know, it's like man, it's, everything's going great and blah blah blah, and isn't this awesome? And I like, live in the dream, man. And I'm just like, oh my <laughs> god, shut up! Like, this is I don't I don't want to hear that, man. Like nothing. I love what I'm doing, but nothing in life is that great. Right. You know, at any second, it could all fall apart. That exactly. in itself makes it not that great. So let's just enjoy it. Let's not freaking jinx this thing exactly. and start going crazy and, and throwing parties and stuff. And let's just let's just enjoy it. It's like this. There's this Richard Dawkins quote where he says in the book The God Delusion. Mm -hmm. I'm going to paraphrase, but it's something to the magnitude of, you know, why can't you just appreciate the flowers that grow in the garden without thinking there are fairies underneath there making it all happen? Like, right? Don't try to, you know make something more than it is this is this is awesome this is exciting mm -hmm. but like I, I don't know i just i never want to get caught up in like this is it i feel like when i see people do that when they get really excited about something i'm like the kind of thing like this might be it for them right i don't that you know that's not me in my head i'm like yeah this is great i love that people are loving candy corn i love that it's getting the huge support and release that it is I don't want anything I'm saying to come across as like I don't appreciate it because right, right. I freaking do. I <laughs> wouldn't have uh, went through what I went through to get this thing done if I didn't, you know, love it and appreciate it. Absolutely. But um, but yeah, you're you're. If anybody's looking for uh, to talk to somebody who's gonna get all gung ho and you know sit around and talk about it, that's not me because while everybody's <laughs> sitting around talking about you know how great it is, I'm trying to build something else great. Right. And that's the way you have to, especially working. I mean, that, that's a level of professionalism you carry with you to be able to work with these big name artists that you do. I mean, yeah, you got to act. I, I Snoop Dogg says you got to act like you've been around a boss before. Right. No, that's so. Yeah, that's I, I, I it's the first time anyone's ever quoted Snoop Dogg. Snoop, Uncle Snoop. man. I, I, I agree. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's yeah, that's so true, because like I remember when I first when I first started working with Rob Zombie, I did the, the 31 documentary mm -hmm. like four years ago. And he told me that same exact thing. Like, you know, we were around like Malcolm McDowell and, you know, obviously Sherry and all right. these big names. And I had never been even on a movie set before, but he really liked my work and he liked my work ethic and my attitude. And, and he said that to me, he's like, you know, these people don't know whether or not you're supposed to be here. You, either act like you're supposed to be here or you don't act like you act, or you act like you're not supposed to be here you got lucky and see how long you stay here if that's how you act like yes. just come in do your job play it cool and that's and I've carried that with me and I, I you know I kind of went in with that attitude mm -hmm. but that's the thing is like 
Yeah, like Snoop Dogg says, just <laughs> <laughs> whatever you said. Act like you've been around a boss before. That's because right. Every, everybody, even like you go to a table read, like a big table read, big actors, everybody's nervous. Right. That's the thing is no one, you know, very few people, very few people are going to be like confident in just whatever. I think that if you care about it, there should be a level of like anxiousness or nervousness. Of I mean, course. even Tarantino talks about being anxious and nervous you know the, the you know when he gets on set for the first time in a you know new movie like it doesn't matter how much of a master of your craft you are and so you you have to yeah you have to do that you have to get yourself to a place of you know just being in that mindset and, and treating it like you're supposed to be here and if you can't then that probably means you're not supposed to be there right it's as simple as that Absolutely, and that makes complete sense. And I mean, with that kind of work ethic, you ended up editing and directing a five-hour-long documentary for Rob, didn't you? Yeah, and that <laughs> was something I had to fight to do. I mean, you know, uh, the the distributor at the time was, uh, I forget who it was, but they, they wanted to edit it themselves. So, like, at first I had to campaign, please, right. you know, look at me like he didn't know who I was or anything. I met him one time on the set of Lords of Salem for like an hour. Oh, um, <laughs> and then, you know, it was like years later, I have a, a friend who worked for him at the time mm-hmm. pitched to him like, Hey, here's my friend, Josh. Will you, he's interested in doing behind the scenes for you. But I never wanted to do just some BS featurette. Like I wanted it to be taken seriously. Right. And that was hard. Because the other producers were like, we're, we're doing a multi-million dollar movie right now with Malcolm McDowell. Like, you know, we don't, you, what do you mean you want to do a real documentary? Like, just, we'll let you show up, just shut up, be a fly <laughs> on the wall, hold your camera in the right position, and give us the footage at the end of the shoot. Like, it's behind the scenes, no one cares. But Rob cared. Yes. And he really was like, like we got it you know he was like actually said like it's i'm actually excited to work with a real filmmaker who wants to do this the right way and not just do all the things everybody else wanted me to do right so that was like okay that was the first hurdle but then even after that it was like you know the the distributors were like yep just give us the footage i kept having to beg and beg and beg like please let me edit this thing right they wouldn't do it so i just did it i just spent the weekends while everyone else was hanging out and doing whatever they do after 12 hour days monday through friday of shooting i just started editing and on my own time and my own dime and showed it to rob and i'll never forget we were it was right after lunch one day and i didn't know rob like i do now at that point so i was like really nervous right and i showed him and he was just like okay yeah that's that's great and it was just like an hour later I was, you know, getting an email from the producers who were like, okay, well, Rob seems to like what you're doing, so you can edit. But it was like, <laughs> it's all, that's what it's always about. And then I edit the thing, and he's on tour with Corn at the time. Right. And I'm sending him edits I'm doing, it's just me and him, you know, and uh-huh. no one else is like, has any say. So that's cool, but at the same time, it's a little nerve-wracking. Right. And so I, I did it, and I finally got this five-hour cut and he watched it all and oh. like in and, and chapters while he's on the road 
and he just texted me one night. I was actually on my way home from another shoot I was doing, mm-hmm. and he was just like, "Man, this is awesome. Let's release this how it is. Like, don't cut it down anymore." But Hell then Lionsgate yeah. like started emailing me. Like, they were like, "Yeah, we know Rob likes it, but we're not going to put this out. Like, this is too long. Just cut it down." And I'm like, "Well, I don't know who you are <laughs> or whatever her name is. Like, you know." Uh, you didn't pay me right Rob zombie did so i i would say to him like hey man they're telling me basically to ignore what you want i swear to god like 10 minutes later after i text them i get an email from somebody at lionsgate they were like hey we just heard from rob go ahead and send over the five and a half hour cut <laughs> put that one out but it's like that's the thing is like you have to if you believe in something and you really stand behind it you keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing but it's never easy not Right. One step of the way. And in between all those hurdles I just told you, mm-hmm. I'm running around in the LA heat in these shoes that, you know, two of my, this is a lot of information I'm giving you, but no, you two, lay it on. My, <laughs> my, two of my toenails fell off and just like they were just open. Oh my God. For like six weeks because I didn't stop moving. You know, I'm chasing. I don't know if you've ever seen how Rob moves. Like if you've oh, yeah. seen the documentary, oh, I'm yeah. just like right on his ass the whole time. And so Damn. I was not prepared for that. And right. uh, that's that was like every every day. I was like sick as shit the whole time uh, from the weather change and the right. weird hours. It was very underprepared. And it's like it would have been so easy to quit. One person went out with me um, at the beginning and they lasted like two weeks and, and went home afterwards. <laughs> like it's freaking hard. You have to love this. Like beyond love it. I, I always right. tell everybody like, when they ask me advice in filmmaking, I'm like, what else do you think you might want to do? And if they even think about it, I'm like, just figure it out and do that instead. Yep. You know, <laughs> if, if they're like nothing, cause that's me. Like, right. that's how I grew up when people like teachers and everybody's like, yeah, that's not a real job. What else do you want to do? Literally, I would get in trouble in school for saying, no, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. It's like, well, no, you're, but you're not going to Josh. You know, now, of course, those people send me Instagram and Facebook messages and they're proud of me and whatever. Right. And they BS, always knew. But, oh, yeah, they always, always knew. It's like, oh, well, you should have mentioned it. Yeah, it would have been cool if that, you'd have mentioned it. Yeah, that would have been nice. Maybe a little encouragement uh, instead of it's, you know, get a real job or it's a dream job. Or all the stuff I heard. But, oh, yeah. But that's, that's the thing, man. Like, there's nothing easy about it. But when you're doing it, it's I don't like like telling you this story now I don't realize how ridiculous that is because when you're doing it <laughs> at the time it's like this is this is the life man get right. paid to follow around Rob Zombie with a camera and, you know somebody would have been like yeah but your two big toenails are missing <laughs> I've been like well that's why I got all these other toes that's why I've got many you. other toes <laughs> yeah that's your mindset whereas somebody who doesn't love it's going to be like uh. I got on Priceline and found some pretty good deals to get back home. Right. So I'll see you later. So I'm out on this one. Yeah. <laughs> but your, so. I mean, your work ethic alone speaks for itself. Um, we here did get to take a quick sneak peek at Candy Corn this week. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Candy Corn is Josh Hasty's movie that is releasing September 17th this month on video on demand and Blu-ray. And Josh, I know you don't like to get too excited, 
<laughs> but candy corn was phenomenal. I mean, Thank you. it has all the wholesome feels of just classic horror. Just from the cinematography to it, to the acting, to the dialogue, to even the decorations that you have everywhere that are old school Halloween decorations. It's it's perfect. It is so good. All Thank over. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. That was all, everything you're saying, I mean, it is exactly what, what I wanted people to, to get out of it, you know. Um, obviously, the, all of that was deliberate right. and wasn't easy necessarily to to uh, to achieve on the the time frame and the budget that we had, but um, yeah, I, I love hearing that. Like it truly, it makes me so so happy uh, to to hear feedback like that because the entire reason I made this movie was to encapsulate everything I love about classic horror in the season of Halloween yes. into a feature film that was something original and important to me. And if I can share that, but you know, is some, somehow able to have bottled that up and put it out into the world. And then people like you watch it and get out of it. What I put into it. Yes. That's, that's it. That's, that's why I don't give a shit when people say, Oh, it looks like shit or, you know, it reminds me of this or what okay cool it's not for you yeah i didn't make it for you i I don't that's exactly so that's what i love that's that's why that's why i made it you know it's it's so so i appreciate you saying that yeah i just i really feel like it's going to be one of those movies now when it does release that people are going to be like oh the leaves are turning colors it's halloween time we got to pop candy corn in it, I like, hope so. <laughs> for me, it's it's fallen under like you know like Hocus Pocus and The Omen oh, and Rosemary's Baby and stuff like that oh, that that God. falls right in like it's Halloween time time to watch these movies. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. You start talking about Hocus Pocus and Rosemary's Baby, and you're gonna you're gonna really get me excited. I mean <laughs> to have to have anything I've done you know even on the shelf with those is is amazing to me. Um, you know, because because it wasn't easy to do something so simple. That's that was the that was probably the biggest feat. Was like it is a very simple story, mm-hmm. but it's very deep as well. So like I've noticed, which is what I was hoping, but people after they watch it more than once, they'll start messaging me or texting me. Like even producers are like, "Hey, I didn't realize this. Is this is this what you were doing there?" And I'm like, "Yup, that's, yep. <laughs> that's it." glad you caught it and so like because i thought because there's a ton of easter eggs that are homages to all my favorite films like yes ridiculous amount and some of them i thought were so freaking obvious i was just like i literally almost like changed certain lines or names or things like that and then i'll talk to people like one example is like there's a line from the crow in in candy corn yes and i talked to fans of the crow that i know are fans and i'm excited and i'm like so did you did you catch it (laughs) like catch what you know and i tell them and so like you know like rosemary's baby like i don't know if you said that just to just to compliment me but there's a ton of huge rosemary's baby references yes from the beginning to the end of that movie that movie is my all-time favorite above all films in any genre oh, really? of any time oh yeah I huh. live for Rosemary's Baby <laughs> I mean I could do we could do an entire podcast <laughs> every day for a month about my love for Rosemary's Baby but 
but beyond that, you know, not that candy corn is anything like Rosemary's Baby. Right. My point of candy corn was I, I grew up, I was introduced to horror through the slasher genre. Right. I love it. Um, it's something that sort of died. And then Absolutely. you had like, you know, like Hatchet sort of brought it back, but then nothing ever happened again. Yeah. And it was like, it's so fun, but it's so freaking easy to screw it up. Like, it's uh-huh. so easy to screw it up and just make it corny and campy. And that's what I've realized is like, you know, some of my influences, there, there's a ton of influences, but like really the main influences for the script as I was writing it was John Carpenter's Halloween. Yes. Happy, happy birthday to me. And <laughs> Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Those okay. are the three films that I completely tried to fit all three of those movies into one script. Well, see, and I was so, I was go gonna ahead. say uh, the beginning of it, just the cinematography in it and the look of it and the way that it feels. It does have like a John Carpenter Halloween feel to it, just the way it looks. Like yeah, you I feel like, that. all right, here comes the original. Like, yeah. Well, I love that. You know, you say that. That I appreciate that. I mean, I'm you know very hands-on when it comes to the composition of the shots and the cinematography i have everything not only mapped out in my head while i'm writing it but i describe the shots in the script and then i also storyboarded everything myself to show my cinematographer on set um and so with that being said my my favorite cinematographer of all time is dean cundy who did (laughs) john carpenter's work so um those are the movies like I, like I've seen The Fog more times than I've seen <laughs> next to Rosemary's Baby any other film, so I think that that and a lot of people ask me that like what was your you know what did what were you trying to think of when you made the movie? Really, it ended after the script. I tried to fit those three movies that I just named yes. into the script. Those were my favorite. They're simple stories. There's something mm-hmm. really you know Halloween feeling about them, a fall time feeling. I just love them. They just all mean something different to me. And yes. Um, I, I tried to meld those into one script that was mine and then use that as the framework to something that I could then tell an original story right. that had never been told before that was pulling influences from my personal life, from stories I was inspired by, uh, and then have it take place in the location that I grew up in, in Ohio. And so it ended there as far as inspiration goes. So when we're actually on set, like right before we film, like during pre-production, I don't watch any movies. I don't like. I don't want to be too influenced by something. Right. So that stuff can stick in your subconscious, and then you're doing it, and then you don't realize it, and then all of a sudden, somebody will point out to you, like, "Hey, you totally ripped that off. Right. You didn't mean to." You know. So that's something I've learned from, uh, you know, my predecessors, if you will. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. So I, I stay away from watching anything. So I think when I get on set, what I'm, I'm I'm framing up shots that are in my head, and what's in my head is something reminiscent of the composition of stuff that would be in John Carpenter's stuff. And it's not that I'm trying to emulate him. It's just it's John Carpenter. And if you right. love horror and you don't study and love John Carpenter's films, I don't know what you're doing in this business. So. <laughs> You know, there's a lot of stuff, but like, you know, like Rosemary's Baby, it's it's a it's the best film ever made in my opinion. But mm-hmm. cinematography wise, it's not as deliberate, right. and 
composed is something like what Dean Cundy would do. Um, right. And, and that's what I'm attracted to on cinematography. So, you know, it's, it's, it's taking all those things and those influences and putting them into one, one cohesive, you know, story that I created and was, was passionate about to tell. So, I don't know. I don't even remember what your question was, but that's my answer. <laughs> and it was perfect. I told you, man. Hey, no. You ask a certain thing and I'll just start talking. That's great. That's what we want. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I love that you cast Poncho as mm-hmm. as Dr. Death because I love watching Poncho Muller in He's amazing. anything. And I'm glad that someone gave him a, a role he could run with, something that he could really... Like I feel like you really did that and gave him this great role that he could run with and make his own from even just like little things like facial tics and twitches that the character yeah. has. I mean, he he knocked it out of the park on that. Yeah, that was we worked a lot on his character, and I loved Poncho, and I knew you know he's from the actor's studio, and so I knew he had like you know training in that capacity, and then I obviously met him on the set of Thirty One, and we just got along as friends. Yeah. And then when it came time for Candy Corn, um, he originally, like, I don't know if you've interviewed him or you eventually talked to him, but he'll probably tell you the same thing. He, it originally started off like he just had, you know, the Lester Dr. Death character as just like over the top and cartoony and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. that's just not what I had in my head. And so right. with all the actors, I first let them do what they think it is, okay. you know, because when they're reading a script, there's a voice that, that comes to them Mm -hmm. and I can always correct it. You know, I can always give my input, but if I come out of the gates saying, this is exactly how it is. Number one, that's most likely going to throw off where their heads were. And that's going to be like, okay, well let me rethink this real quick on the spot. And you're not going to get what you want. Uh, and then the other side is like, well, what if there was a a nugget of gold in there of something they did? Right. And now I'm never going to know. Because they're always going to think, well, this is how Josh wants it, so don't even show him that other thing. And so with Poncho, that's exactly that's exactly how it was. He was like really over the top, and I was like, all right, that is perfect on stage when he comes out and does his, his stage performance yes. uh, at the carnival. Said, but you know, Poncho and I are friends, so we talked a lot about how you know the, the the whole the society is towards little people and how yeah. every little person in hollywood is a novelty act and right they're not taken seriously so screw that i don't ever want to acknowledge dr death as a little person i never want to yes even mention it he's a person just exactly. like anybody else and so you know whenever he's talking to you know the the sheriff or he's talking to bishop gate or whatever it's a human being and he's got this really what is just 100% my sense of humor all those jokes he tells like I've said those oh in my those God. before <laughs> and and so like you know I mean it's all me like Dr. Death is the most me um, <laughs> and, and, and then the other half of it is, is what Poncho brought and once I told him where my head was after seeing his and I was like okay everything you brought we're going to keep it on the stage. As mm-hmm. soon as your character leaves the stage, you're going to turn into this guy. And I would explain it to him. And and it was a process. He would like, you know, because I, I live in Ohio when I'm not working in L.A. Mm-hmm. And he lives in L.A. So we would just he would just send me self-tapes. And I'd be like, yeah, more like this or more like that. 
And that was the character we worked them. I worked them most on to really get it to. It, there's, it's you know, so many layers to that character. He's so yes. dynamic, and the main reason I wanted to do that was because I wrote Candy Corn as a trilogy. So I have two other Candy Corn scripts, and really? the arc. Yeah, so the arc of Doctor Death is huge, and there's a backstory that you know, if the fans love Candy Corn enough they'll eventually learn more about, you know, and, and, and these stories to come. Oh, but man. Poncho is the only person on Earth that knows what I know about Dr. Death. And I created those stories for everybody. Every <laughs> character of mine, no matter how big or small, they have, I don't know if all of them will remember, but they have, like, like Court, you know, Courtney's character, Sheriff Rampart, I told him what his favorite color is, why he, you know, vacations he's been on, um, yes. you know, why his first wife left him, what's going on with, you know, the dynamic between him and his son. And yeah. so I think, you know, all of that, you know, it, it's, it's, it, that's how films used to be. Mm-hmm. And those are the films that I still study. I haven't seen very many new films recently at all. Um, Cause I'm just not a fan of, of a lot of the pandering that's happening, yes. especially in horror. Um, yes. And it's, some people love it, but for me, it's just, you know, I'll, I'll watch the thing, John Carpenter's the thing, or I'll watch Rosemary's baby or I'll watch phantasm or, yeah. you know, anything David Lynch does. And I'm just like, what in the hell happened? Right. Like when, do, <laughs> like watch blue velvet and then tell me when in the hell did movies start sucking? Like how can we create blue velvet <laughs> And then, and I'm not going to name anything because it doesn't matter if I like it or not. But right. it's like, where did the artistic integrity go? Exactly. Um, and maybe that's why David Lynch hasn't made a film in so long. He's just like, I don't, I don't know what the hell people want. But, <laughs> but I, you know, the, when I'm shooting, those are the things I'm thinking of. When I'm creating characters with Poncho and with Courtney and with Tony and PJ, they know more than they would ever want to know about this character. But they bring that to the screen so absolutely things that you might not know about tj's character for instance she knows and that's why she makes the little ticks that she does you mentioned poncho's facial ticks yes i actually it's it's funny i i told him to do that and i based that off this is like one of the one of the new things that i do watch and i'm not even gonna call it a guilty pleasure because it's freaking awesome it's yes. some of the best writing i've ever seen but it's the blacklist okay yeah. yeah 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 okay Raymond Reddington is one of the greatest characters that has ever been, ever put on TV, ever. Okay, oh, yeah. and James Spader's just a god, and <clears throat> I don't know why uh, yeah. people don't praise him more. But that character is—I love that character so freaking much. And he always does these little facial tics, and James Spader just does them. He did them in Seinfeld. He's done you know, everything he's ever done. Yes. He has this little tick, and so I showed that to Poncho. And I showed him, uh, my fiance Lindsay, mm-hmm. who color grades everything, and she was one of the producers on the film, I had her go through and pick out like 100 clips from the blacklist and send them to Poncho. And I was just like, just watch these and study his mannerisms. Yes. And it's Poncho's sort of like taking all the other stuff I told him, taking all the stuff that he brought to the table, how he saw it when he read the script, and then finally watching Raymond Reddington just sort of have this attitude of like, it's we're having a good time and you're just a little you're just a little you know wounded bird in the palm of my hands and <laughs> you know my my direction to him went like so there's a two-hour documentary in the making of the film that comes with the blu-ray and yes. you'll see a lot of that like a lot of that was 
in the moment too. Like I would tell Poncho, you know, like when he has a scene with uh, the one I'm talking about is with him, uh, Bishop Gate and Sheriff Bramford outside of the trailer yes. when Bramford first meets them. Um, I would tell him, you know, like have this, you know, watch this, have this particular attitude of like, you know, something he doesn't know. And, you know, just we would talk about that. But what was great was Tony Todd and Poncho and Courtney are all method actors. Okay, oh, so, wow. And I don't call anyone by their their real name on set. Like as soon as they hire them and it drives my producer, Matt, insane because I there's there are actors in the film. I have no idea who, what their names are. <laughs> um, I swear to God. And Matt like is just gotten to the point where he's just like Bobby you know, instead of like, you know, so-and-so. And I'm like, who, who's that? We don't have it. There's no one in the film named that. Yeah, that's nobody. You know? <laughs> it, I'm talking about Steve. Oh, Steve. Yeah. Well, yeah. what's his problem? What's going on? What's going on with Steve? You know, because I, I feel like, you know, if you, if you do that, it, they take it more seriously. And it just, again, we do a whole other podcast on that. But my point is, I would tell these three that, and they would just do it. So like in between takes, Poncho and Tony Todd were like messing with, with Courtney. And like, I had my headsets <laughs> on so I can hear, they're all mic'd with these laws mics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it'd be like, all right, reset, you know, move the light, you know, a foot to the right and add a scrim. And, you know, the, the lighting department, cameras department's doing their thing. And you'd hear like Tony, like saying stuff to Courtney and Courtney eventually pulled me aside. He was like, did you tell them to, you tell him to say stuff to me? <laughs> no. And I, he doesn't know that I can hear everything, you know? And I'm like, no, what's what's going on over there, buddy? What's the, what's the matter for him? Yeah, he's like, man, they're, they're getting in my head, and I don't like it. <laughs> you know, like, they're really messing with me. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't know, man. And I'm just at the monitor just like, yes. So, like, it's beautiful, though, because when you see Courtney's reaction on screen, that's real, you know? And he's just like, what is this trash that has come into my town it's just so amazing and then like whenever one of my favorite scenes in the whole film whenever they come to visit dr death and he's in the tent and he's patronizing uh, sheriff bramford i told him i said treat him the only direction i gave him was treat him like he's a little puppy like he's a little dog because poncho is a dog lover he has he has dogs and they're like i I know how he is with his dogs so i'm like just treat him like it's it's your dog so like all that stuff where he's like do you want this do you want this oh no you don't want that where where is that it's like it comes across as like this dude is insane and courtney didn't know he was going to do that so you see sheriff bramford looking around and rolling his eyes and kind of looking over and like Uh you know like looking at the crew like what is this dude doing right now <laughs> it's just i just love it that's why i love working with with method actors because like i'm with i'm with the characters i created right and it's there's it's no longer these icons that i grew up watching it's these real characters and, and they embrace that and i can't ask for any more than that and how awesome so, that it's characters you've created like on top yeah of that. i mean <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, not in an ego way, but it's like, it's, it is really cool. I mean, I created the characters. I did almost all the wardrobe myself. Um, you know, I, was, I, I designed everything, you know, like Marcy's hair, Marcy's wardrobe, um, mm-hmm. all that stuff. I'm 100% uh, in control of. And I have an amazing team that, that helps do that on, on set. But like, you know, I, I had very specific visuals of, 
of what all these people look like and sound like. And like I said, their whole backstories, there's basically a book in emails of every (laughs) single person's life. And I even wrote like what, like the people who die in the film, what they would have went on to do had they lived. Just to sort of like get inside the characters' heads of like, this is what I want to do in life. Yeah. You know? And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So, Poncho's cool. Poncho, your, your question, Poncho's cool. Poncho's a really cool guy, and I haven't got yeah. to interview him yet. He's he's the, he's the next one. I'm I'm coming for you, Poncho. Yeah, he's great, man. He's a, he's a true a true actor. You really like talking to him. I bet. And I noticed too, you used a lot of practical effects, mostly all practical effects. Yes. In your movie, which yes. love, 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 love that. Yeah, that was that was obviously the plan too. Um, you know, we obviously had the option to do CG. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been much cheaper, but I had a secret weapon named Justin Mabry. Yes. That most people don't have. Mabry and, Monsters. Uh, yeah, and he has a team of Academy Award winners that have worked on everything from Curious Case of Benjamin Button to uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and you know, most recently wow. Vice with Christian Bale. Um, so he, he, people owe him favors and he owes people favors and that's sort of how it worked out. Um, he and I became really close friends during pre-production and so he was originally supposed to just make the Jacob mask because he's like the king right. of masks. I see. And, um, and then once we got talking, he was like, man, you know, I can put this together to do these effects. Because I started telling him, like, I, I don't want to do you know, computer effects. Like I, I want this to be practical, like it was done in the seventies and eighties and mm-hmm. want it to look good. And he's like, that's the school he's from. He's friends with Tom Savini and oh, you know, cool. he's, he knows that whole world <laughs> and can pull favors from all these guys and uh, has learned from all these guys directly, you know, not just from magazines or whatever. So he showed me all this and I'm just like, yeah, he obviously can do this. And like one of the first things he made I won't give it away, but like the final kill in the movie. Yes. He made those, that, that prop out of silicone and like painted the veins underneath the, the translucent prosthetic. Oh, just, like, just like, Oh my God, man. And so, and he does all this stuff. Like he just has a shop at his house, but, um, he doesn't do movies. Like he, he hates it. Like he hates, he, he's an actor. He's a great actor. Um, and, and he obviously is the co-owner of Trick or Treat Studios and, and does what he does with the masks, but right. he doesn't do a lot of movies. And he that was another like like humbling thing was he did Candy Corn and that's and he'll he's working on my next movie right now. I'm like that's it, you know. Like so that's why I call him a secret weapon because right. very lucky to have him. He turns down stuff all the time, but you know that's that's why candy corn the, the kill scenes look the way they do is because you have to have somebody like that and quite frankly it's hard to get studios to to give the green light on that if we would have right. went through a studio they would have laughed yeah. you know like we had before james came on it was two and a half years of trying to raise money and we had offers and i turned down every offer we had before james because it was things like you know we want final cut or we want to change some things in the script or the biggest one was we want to bring on uh, a CG artist to do the, the kills. Practical effects are, are a thing of the past. They're too expensive. They're too risky, you know, because you get on set and it's like, 
what if it doesn't work? Right. And it's all this time and money wasted, and it's not cheap. Right. It's like, well, it's going to work. Well, it's going to work. Just, I, I don't know what to tell you. You know, what if the power goes out and your computer doesn't work? Like, things right. happen, you know? Yeah. But I want it to look a certain way. And so, um, so it was, yeah, it was crazy that we were able to do that on this budget or any budget. But I, I love it, man. Justin and his team killed it. Yeah, the kills look great. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier, too, about the look of the movie and it having a feel of this original slasher. Like, it, yeah. it's, it's just, it's so pretty. I know I've got my copy pre-ordered already. <laughs> well, thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. So that way I get to watch that two-hour making of. And I yeah, can check out cool. all those tasty tidbits. If you don't yeah. mind, can I drop them a link where they can go pre-order that candy corn DVD right now? Please. Okay. Please. People, you go out there right now and you get on your computer screens and you type in epic-pictures.com slash merchandise slash candy corn you can get it not only pre-ordered right now but you can get it for what like 10 buck 10 to 14 dollars cheap yeah yeah like 12 dollars off yeah 12 bucks off the when it comes out on the 17th so you can save yourself 12 dollars on an awesome movie i know when i get mine i'm putting it right next to hocus pocus on on my dvd (laughs) shelf that is exactly where it's going now josh do you have what else do you have coming up? Anything you'd like to plug, or where can they find you? Well, you can find me. I'm, I'm always on Instagram at uh, Josh underscore Hasty. Uh, I love engaging with fans and and uh, you know other people who just love love what I'm doing and, and love the genre and the season and filmmaking and all the everything creative. So I'm always on there. Uh, as far as what I can plug, like right now, it's just candy corn oh Everything yeah candy corn uh it comes out in select theaters friday the 13th of this month oh, cool. um all across the country and then there is obviously like you just said it comes out on blu-ray and vod the 17th um i will say that you know we have the two-hour documentary that i'm really proud of it shows the amazing very very small powerful team that made this film happen um in in the shop so to speak uh i also did a full director's commentary uh and then there's a couple other little bonus features but epic pictures who was releasing the film they really listened to me with my passion for making this blu-ray worth your money you know i i'm a fan before anything else and you can see anything on netflix you can find it on whatever vod platform like you can Mm -hmm. stream anything and you have to give people a reason to want to buy stuff. I need a reason to buy something. Right. So they made it a collector's edition. It's unrated. What you're getting is, is my yes. final cut. They didn't make me change a thing. So it's the unrated director's cut right out of the gates. And the packaging is just really special. It's yeah. really beautiful. Um, and it's something that is made by us for fans, just like myself and the people who made this film. It's not just... It's, it's not just the DVD or Blu-ray that, you, you know, it's like, okay, well, I got it. I could just stream it. Right. You know, it's, it's really it's something that I think um, any horror collector or fan of the film is, w- would be hopefully really excited to have. That was, that was my goal with it. Oh, definitely. The cover um, art is gorgeous, and even the art on the disc itself. 
Yeah. Like, you're not just yeah. getting a blank CD with the candy corn written <laughs> on it. Like, it, yeah. No, I'm telling you, man, they, they really, like, I, that was the first thing I expressed before we signed the deal because we had a lot of offers and I, I was very clear about, like, what is your plan for release? And Rob Galuzzo was at with Epic at the time. He's at Fangoria now. But, mm-hmm. like, that dude is, like, one of the ultimate collectors. And he he's sold me, ultimately. We had a phone call and he was just like, it'll be on VOD, it'll be in theaters, that's cool, but like, I really want to make a collector's, director's cut Blu-ray that I would want to have on my shelf next to, you know, my collector's edition of Psycho and Halloween and yes. Rosemary's Baby, whatever, you know, like, that's, that's what started it. So it was like, I was sold on that because nobody else, I won't name any, but uh-huh. think of a distributor, <laughs> we talked to them, most likely, and it was just, we'll, we'll get it out on netflix that was it like that's that's where the quick money is right you know and and that's not what candy corn is i mean candy corn is a film that is for horror fans and for fans of of indie film and and of halloween and um man we like collecting stuff you know i I spend a lot more money than i should i just posted today i just got dark night of the scarecrow on the i saw that somebody sent you dark night of the scarecrow (laughs) like well, they didn't send it to me. I bought it. You bought it. Gotcha. But it was like, <laughs> you know, I, I I like collecting the things that I like, and and you know, that's what I wanted this to be. I want this to be something that was. It was clearly not just we made a movie, whatever. Like, right. This is you're you're part of something. You know, when you when you buy this film or watch this film, you really are. And it was a pleasure being part of it. I know on my end, I thoroughly enjoyed I it. Like I said. That. So, Josh, would you tell people to listen to the Scared Stupid podcast? Absolutely. And first of all, I'm bummed that we didn't talk about Ernest Scared Stupid at all. I know. Another one of my favorites. Well, Uh, I thought for sure that would be a topic, but. Well, see, I was hoping maybe we could talk again post-release of Candy Corn so we can (laughs) see how it's going. Yeah, and then we'll talk Ernest Scared Stupid and I know you worked at Party City too like I did specifically for the discounts. Yeah, I did. Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's exact. Yes. Oh, man. Those are my the the PC days. That's what I call them. The PC days. I worked there every Halloween to get just to get the discount. Oh, yeah. As soon as it was over, I was was out looking for another dead-end job, but uh, yeah, man. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do another one, and we'll talk about Ernest Scared Stupid and Party City and Hocus Pocus, yes. the lighter side of everything. I love it. Josh Hasty. thank you so, so, so much for joining us here today. Everybody, get My out pleasure. there. Look up Josh Hasty on Facebook, Instagram. Look at his YouTube channel, and then get out there and pre-order Candy Corn. It drops September 17th of this month. Like I said, you can get it at epicpictures.com slash merchandise slash candy corn. Get it for 12 bucks cheaper than for the original release date. And then when it comes out, you'll have it. So, Josh, thank you again for joining us, man. And we'll see you after the release of Candy Corn. Sounds good. Thank you. See you, buddy. See you.